It's the Python you already know, but so much more. Python on steroids? Well, now I'm scared. It's snakes on a plane. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Esri Australia. To get your hands on more short, sharp and immediately useful resources, head to the Esri Australia website and search for Goldmine. Welcome to the GIS Directions Podcast. I'm Wayne Lee Archer. I'm Josh Manman. And today we're joined again by our colleague Riley McGlusky, who's filling in for Tar. Welcome back, Riley. Thanks for having me back again, guys. I'm really excited to, to be speaking with you guys again. I'm really glad to have you here for today's episode, Riley. We're going to be sharing some of the latest tips we've come across that will make you faster, better, stronger. Well, at least in your GIS life. We've definitely got more tips than we have time for in this one episode. So today we're going to zero in on ArcGIS on the desktop. Oh, okay, Josh, on the desktop you say, but only if you promise we can come back and do a part two where we can share our web GIS and developer tips. You have got it. Deal. Well, I'm personally really excited to be speaking about this today, guys. As you know, I'm a bit of a desktop junkie, so uh, I'm excited to see what you guys have got for me. I've got one here that's about taking out the trash and housekeeping. So this is one of those ordinary, everyday kind of things that uh, all of us will encounter. And I know I certainly have as we're working along in ArcGIS Pro. You find that things, especially working against your database, start to slow down. And what I'm talking about here is clearing out your geoprocessing history from your geo database. People forget to do it, and it slows your whole system down as it keeps a history of what you're doing with the geodata over time. And this stacks up. So what do you do? Well, you need to clear out that history and freshen up your geo database so that things can run nice and fast and you can have that fresh geo database smell about your project once again. Hey, Wayne, is there any obvious indicator I've got trash to take out or should I just do that on a regular basis? You will notice that you've got a geodatabase history problem, especially if you're working heavily with geodatabases. And as I said, this is one of those day-to-day tasks that uh, a regular user with geodatabases will be familiar with. So there's no real visual indicator that you'll need to do this. I reckon that uh, Esri need to put in one of those little safety pins that you know Word and that used to have that gives you suggestions on what you should do next. It looks like you're creating a map. Do you think there's any merit to keeping a portion of like your day-to-day workflows in your geodatabase kind of acting as a bit like a cache or should people sweep and start again? It is a nuanced and uh, and, and skilled sort of area. As I said, I threw it out there as a day-to-day task. The boffins at Esri have, you know, worked long and hard on this. Uh, Definitely there are good reasons for it to be there, but it's one of those primary things that can slow you down if you haven't cleared it out. So rather than work through all of the details of that here today, jump up onto the website, gisdirectionspodcast.com.au, have a look at the guide on how you can remove your geodatabase, metadata, and geoprocessing history. Your GIS baggage, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's my tip. What about you, Riley? So my tip is quite exciting because it's a revamp of a very traditional GIS function that I know a lot of people have had a bit of pain for. And I know when people were learning GIS to begin with, it was something that took a number of months to learn and perfect, which is Suitability Modeler. So Suitability Modeler is a new addition to Spatial Analyst, which used to be just a bunch of Spatial Analyst features themselves that you had to kind of concoct together to try and work 
work out a suitability analysis. So if you're unfamiliar with what suitability modeler is or suitability models in general, basically they're weighted raster overlays of ecological variables that you use to assess the geographic uh, range of a particular variable. So, so this is like um, site suitability, picking a, a site for a certain thing based upon like geographic variables, yeah? Yeah, definitely. So when I was doing teaching at the university, this was a major portion of the course. And basically what we would do is each of the students would pick a certain variable that they wanted to assess. So some students would pick where they would look to buy a house. Some of them looked at where certain animals would be. Uh, some of them looked at where's the best place to go and gold mine. And you pick, a lot, pick out all your variables. You weight them based on the probability of that particular instance occurring. And then you compare them. Historically, was done using. Well, this used to be a whole bunch of different disparate tools, wasn't it? Yeah. So you'd use aspect, slope, land cover, distance, and a number of others to try and put together your own calculation to see the highest possibility of your variable existing in that space. Wow. And this is new. This is baked into Pro now, you're telling us. Yes. So this is part of the spatial analyst extension. So most of the people that have been doing suitability models for a long time would probably already have the spatial analyst extension. So I guess if you are someone who has been doing suitability models and you've got that down pat, continue on with the, with the process. But it's kind of great for people who are just entering suitability analysis and it kind of handholds you through the process. So you're able to update the weights on the fly and have a look at how that actually changes your data and it does the calculation for you, which is very cool. No raster calculator involved. Oh, handholding and desktop sounds just like what I need. I'll be going to give that a go. <laughs> go give that a go once we leave here. Hey, Riley, if I picked up this this new suitability model, where's it going to save me time? It's basically the learning curve initially. So it would be if you wanted to have a look at where is the best place to find coal, for example, um, it would take you through the process and you'd, you'd get to have a look at all the variables that you would get to consider in the calculation. So you would look at slope, you would look at uh, soil cover. You wouldn't have to do the process of reclassifying those individual layers and then giving them weights. It also lets you adapt it on the fly. So if you make a mistake or if something isn't quite right, you can go back and change it, which makes things a lot easier because you're not classifying things into these very confined ranges. Wow. Well, we can tell that you're a passionate desktop user there, Riley. What about <laughs> you, Josh? I'm going to weigh in with a couple of tips that are perhaps a nod to my developer background. The first one is kind of smart automation. It talks to the case where you've got a workflow that demands users follow a very specific sequence of steps. And you might have done that traditionally with a geoprocessing tool, for example, a model. I want to alert people to ArcGIS Pro tasks because tasks provide people with a way of wrapping that workflow in a way that kind of makes it bulletproof, gives people documented, scripted guidance as they go through these steps and kind of makes it a lot more repeatable. And you can distribute these tasks if you want to give people this tool and that easy wizard style way of getting stuff done. This is a really good one, Josh. Uh, I, I think you've hit a goldmine on this one. Tasks in Pro are an absolute lifesaver. They're a way of wrapping all of those little steps that, that we do when we're working through our stuff up into one easy-to-use chunk, aren't they? Yeah, look, my, my second tip is kind of related, still around workflow. And 
This one's consider a geoprocessing model that might be in the kind of category where it would take a long time to run. It's a big gnarly model and you don't want to run it right now, but you do want to run it and even perhaps run it on a scheduled basis at a time mm. convenient to you. And only fairly recently, you've now got the ability to, when you run a GP tool, when you fill in all the parameters to tell it what to do, you'll see an option down where you'd normally click run to let you schedule when that's going to run and oh, even wow. tell it how often you want to run it if you want to repeat it. That's really cool. That's very cool. Josh, do you need to have your PC running at the same time? You do, yeah. So it would have yeah. to run overnight if you were scheduling it overnight? That's correct. Okay, it's just a consideration for those who have um, time blocks on like if they're working in the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. So it's definitely one of those um, pieces that's a part of ArcGIS Pro itself rather than ArcGIS Online. I'm going to sneak in here with another final tip that applies a little bit more to the online users and it also speaks back to that developer in me. It gives me that satisfaction that I have. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw out there to Jupyter Notebooks or Notebooks for ArcGIS. Are you familiar with Jupyter Notebooks uh, there, guys? I love them. I haven't really ever played around with them before. Well, Riley, you're in for a real treat because anybody who's used them before knows that they're an excellent way to take all of that cool Python-based work that we do when we're doing, you know, perhaps exploratory analysis or some mm -hmm. kind of exploration of a data set and take all of those cool things we might do as data scientists, slicing and dicing that data, massaging and reshaping it into different forms and coming up with different insights that we go and then display on a map. Well, Jupyter Notebooks allows you to do that in one single cohesive environment. And we've been able to do this for a long time and data scientists have loved these things for a long time. And the new good news is that you can now do this up in ArcGIS Online. I think it's really important that this this notion of, of encapsulating your analysis, the documentation around it, the results and the outputs all in one container, it really does represent uh, a quite a new way of sharing your tradecraft. And now because you can do it in pro, online and ArcGIS Enterprise, it really means if you create one of these things, you really can kind of proliferate it around to those in the org who would get value from it. Does this mean you could send this through to others on ArcGIS Online or Portal? Absolutely. You can save these Python notebooks in Portal or in ArcGIS Online or now in ArcGIS Pro and send them between each other in Pro oh, as well. Oh, very cool. So you yeah. can put it in your group. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Why is it called Jupiter with a Y? Why, indeed. And <laughs> I think it's because us geeky programmer developer kinds like to have a bit of a play on words, and that's pi for Python. So it's Jupiter rather than Jupiter. So it's not that some billionaire is, you know, copyrighted Jupiter sure as in the planet? Pretty sure Bezos hasn't gotten onto that one yet. Oh, it's Probably about time for him, wouldn't it? <laughs> Either that or Mr. Musk. <laughs> That's it, folks. Some short, sharp, and immediately usable tips that will help you make your desktop life easier and really fire on all four cylinders. To help get started with these tips, we've added all the resources we've just spoken about on our website. That's gisdirectionspodcast.com.au, including how to remove geoprocessing history from your geodatabases and guides on suitability modeler, the spatial analyst extension, and Jupyter notebooks. Just jump on the website and send any tips through that 
that you have that have kind of adjusted or changed your workflows to make things better or contact us on Twitter as well. So hopefully we can use some of those tips if I'm invited back for a part two. I'm sure you will will be, Riley. (laughs) And I've got a ripper of a JavaScript tip for our audience when we come back. So thanks for joining us. Happy mapping. Until next time. Bye, guys. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the hosts and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Esri Australia.